Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Okay, just like to check. Um, so good morning again. Thank you for joining us today. We're really happy that you're here. And uh, happy Mother's Day again to all the moms that are here this morning. Um, I hope that you feel loved and appreciated, not just today, but especially today on Mother's Day. So as Toby mentioned, we're currently working through a series on the gifts of the church, the gifts of the spirit found in Romans 12. And as he was mentioned in the weeks past, there are other gifts found without, within the, the New Testament, such as those found in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. But for this series, we're just focused on the gifts found in Romans 12. And Paul, the writer of Romans in Romans 12, tells us that each of us as Christians are given different gifts, giftings by God through the Holy Spirit. And together we form one body, that is the body of Christ, the church. Some of us might be strong in one area, while others might be strong in another gifting. Uh, But the the common link is that we are uh, given these gifts from God, and we're meant to strengthen the church body with these gifts. So this is in Romans 12, 4 through 8. I'll read it for us now so it's fresh in our minds, and it'll also be on the screen there. It says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So in this passage, Paul is emphasizing that as Christians, we contribute uniquely to the church through the gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. For some of us, it might be easy to recognize the giftings that we have, while for other of us, others of us, maybe we're still trying to figure that out. And that's okay. That's why we're going through this series right now, so we can learn, first of all, what giftings each of us have, and second of all, so that we can better understand how we can use these giftings within our local church. So though we shouldn't feel limited to the specific labels of these giftings, each of us as Christians are usually drawn to act out at least one of these giftings uh, mentioned in the verses that we just read. Whether it's prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, or showing mercy, Paul tells us that whichever gift we have, we serve a specific, unique, and important function within the body of Christ. So Hugh used this illustration during the intro to this series, but it's a lot like the the superhero movies, right? I'm not up to date on the Avengers, um, but even if you you haven't watched the Avengers before, you probably know that within the Avengers, there's a lot of heroes that individually have their own powers and abilities. And individually, by, by themselves, they're incredible, right? They can easily take down the average bad guy. But what's even more amazing is when they unite their powers and abilities with other heroes and they form the Avengers. United, they're even stronger and they're able to take down any overpowered supervillain that, they might, that might cross their path. 
And this is similar to what Paul is describing in the book of Romans. We as Christians are individually given our own unique gifts and abilities. Alone, that might be, they might be great. We can get a lot done, a lot of good is done, but it's not what God intended if, for us to, to use them on our own. We're meant to unify with our brothers and sisters and combine our gifts with one another within the church to build up the body of Christ. And the combination of this diversity of gifts unifying together is what strengthens the church body as a whole and causes the church to flourish. So this morning, we're looking at two specific gifts, uh, the gift of service and the gift of mercy. Uh, It won't be clear at first why we're combining these two gifts into one sermon, but hopefully by the end, we'll understand why we're doing so. And uh, we're going to take a first look, we're going to take a look first at why or what these gifts are, and then we'll explore what they should look like in our lives. So first off, the, the gift of service. What is the gift of service? Oftentimes, unfortunately, this gift is viewed as one of the less glamorous gifts of the Spirit. But this is not and should not be the case. Service is a critical function within the church body. Jesus described his own ministry as service. In Mark 10, Jesus tells his disciples, referring to himself, the Son of Man did not come into this world to be served, but to serve. So what, what is service exactly? Service, simply put, is getting involved in practical tasks that need doing in order to assist and support the body of Christ. The gift of service is also sometimes referred to as the gift of helps. It, it means literally to relieve, to participate in, to support. Those who operate in this gift are able to help others with compassion and grace in a broad range of areas. They find fulfillment in overcoming obstacles and achieving goals that seem unattainable. Those that are strong in this gift and usually do not need to be asked to volunteer, but instead they seek out areas that need help and they they find joy in meeting whatever needs are uh, available. They sacrifice their own time and energy to complete what is needed in order to accomplish the goal that's at hand. So as I'm describing this gift now, maybe, you, maybe a person or several people come to your mind of someone who might have this gifting, or maybe you're thinking of yourself. Maybe uh, you think, hey, maybe this is a gifting that God is, has given me. One group that comes to, to mind for me, uh, not because they're the only team that's demonstrating this gifting, but because Kalina and I are close to this ministry, is the, the hosting team. Every week, someone from the hosting team sacrifices their time and their energy by coming early and oftentimes staying late after the service to, to make the coffee, to make sure that we have enough coffee. And believe me, we go through a lot of coffee as a church, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. But this team continually demonstrates the gift of service by sacrificing their time, their energy to come early, to stay late, by setting up and tearing down the kitchen area, by cleaning the hundreds of coffee mugs that we go through in a day. It's not a particularly glamorous or easy area to serve, but this team knows that it's something that needs to be done, and they do it. So first of all, thank you, hosting team, for uh, satisfying our coffee and caffeine addictions. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you also for demonstrating the gift of service to us as a church. So I don't know if everyone or uh, anyone even on the hosting team considers their main gifting to be in service. But either way, they are demonstrating this gifting to us as a church. They're, they're demonstrating it humbly and faithfully by contributing in this area. And just as with the other spiritual gifts, even if we don't consider service to be, at the, to be the top gift that we have, 
All of us are still called to serve in some capacity, to demonstrate this gift in some capacity. On the evening that he was betrayed, at some point during the Last Supper, Jesus got up from the table and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash each of the disciples' feet. And after he had finished, Jesus said to his disciples, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So Jesus knew that his time was drawing to an end. He knew what he would face only hours away from now. Every, every minute leading up to the betrayal and crucifixion had to be significant for Jesus. And in this moment, he chose to perform an act of service for his disciples. As we probably already know, foot washing during this time was, uh, it, it was common because it needed to be done. The roads were dirty and closed-toe shoes were, were rare to non-existent. So the washing of feet was considered an act of hospitality in Palestinian homes. But because it was such a dirty and menial task, it was usually performed by a servant of the house. And there we see, here we see Jesus, our Savior, our King and our Lord, humbling himself to perform this act reserved for a, a servant. And after he does this, Jesus tells his disciples that they should do the same. Just as he washed their feet that evening, they should do the same for each other in the future. And of course we know, and, and the disciples knew, he was not telling, telling them that they literally needed to wash each other's feet in the future. I want to be clear that if you come to our connect group, Kalina and I's connect group, that's not something you should expect. <laughs> but the disciples understood that the feet washing here was a symbol of service. Just as Jesus was willing to serve each of them in such a, a menial way, they too should be willing to, willing themselves and should serve each other in the same way, with the same humility, with the same self-sacrifice. So this example was for us today, the church as well, right? Because our King and Lord is willing to serve in such a humble and menial way, shouldn't we be willing to serve in the same way? As we're talking about the gift of service, we, we might be wondering, what does this gift look like in our lives? What should we, what should we be willing to do and, and how should we live it out? And Jesus here gives us the supreme example of what service should look like. We as a church, even if we don't consider our main gifting to be in service, should be willing to serve each other with the same humility. So on a Sunday when we're participating in the hosting team or, or serving on the worship team or teaching in youth or children's ministry, if we're doing slides and sounds, we are acting out the gift of service. Or during the week when we're, we're helping each other move or pack or clean or with whatever is needed, we are acting in obedience to the call of service that Jesus speaks about in this passage. And these are things I know that we as a church are doing. It's clear to me and, and probably to many of you that Restoration is a church that's filled with servants who are willing to humbly sacrifice for one another. But I would encourage us to press on even more to ask the Lord, where is it you are calling me to serve the church? It could be here on a Sunday or, or there could be an opportunity to help somebody within the church throughout the week. It could be in a variety of different ways that we didn't mention this morning. I would encourage us to, to actively look and to listen for opportunities to serve each other because when we do this, we're not only following the example that Jesus set before us, but we are, we're building up Christ's church as he has called us to. So shifting gears a little bit now, 
I want to talk about the second gift now. Uh, the second gift is mercy. So what is the gift of mercy? The gift of mercy is much more than just a feeling of sympathy or love towards others. It's the action of showing compassion, empathy, kindness to others, particularly those that are in need. Some refer to those with the gift of mercy as a responder or someone who responds to those in need. Those who demonstrate this gift well are often on the lookout for different ways to connect with others and often are focused on the individual and are very people-centered. I've heard that at times there are misconceptions about this gift, that those who demonstrate it are uh, not strong leaders or are weak or are compromisers, but the reality is they are often gifted by God to defend the cause of the defenseless, and they, are, they stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. They're often a, a champion of the poor, the exploited, the forgotten. Maybe you have someone in mind right now who, who demonstrates this gifting well. But just like with service, whether we, we consider this gifting to be our top gifting or not, each of us are called to show mercy, to act out this gift of mercy. We see all over the Bible that God desires us to be merciful. In Proverbs eleven seventeen, it tells us, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. In the Beatitudes seen in Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. He promises mercy to those who show mercy. In Luke 6.36, Jesus says to us, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. But practically, practically speaking, what does mercy look like in our lives? How can we demonstrate mercy to, to build each other up as a church? Just like we saw with the gift of service, if we look in the Gospels, we see many times where Jesus acts out the, the perfect example of, of what the gift of mercy should look like to us. One example of this is in Mark 6. So at this point in his ministry, large crowds are following Jesus, looking to, looking to him for teaching and for healing. And on this day, Jesus and the disciples were so sworn by crowds that they, they weren't even able to catch a break to eat. And we see in Mark that Jesus tried to take the disciples away by boat to a solitary place so they could just take a little break. They could rest for a little while. But as soon as they landed on shore, another crowd recognized Jesus and surrounded him again. Now, for the, the average person, this was probably like getting a call from your boss on Friday afternoon after a brutal work week about a new project that you have to start, right? Maybe that's how the disciples felt in that situation. But thankfully, that, that wasn't how Jesus felt about the, the situation here. Mark 6.34 tells us, and Jesus when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. It was Jesus' mercy for the people in the crowd that urged him to continue on, even when he was likely exhausted at this point. Another example we see in Matthew 20, Jesus was walking down the road when two blind men heard that he was passing by. It tells us, when they heard that Jesus was going by, they, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But as they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. 
See, the crowd did not consider these two men to be worthy of compassion from Jesus, so they rebuked them. But Jesus responded, not just by feeling compassion for them, but he listened to their needs. He asked them what he could do for them, and out of his mercy, he healed them. And one final obvious and and probably most important example of mercy in the Gospels is God's demonstration of mercy to us through our salvation. Ephesians 2 tells us, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So this is the, the ultimate example of mercy, right? Each of us have either experienced this mercy personally or have the opportunity to experience this mercy. Just like this verse tells us, even when we were, when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were at our worst, God had compassion for each of us, and out of his mercy, he made us alive again in the death and resurrection of Jesus. E.W. Tozer once said, every ransomed man owes his salvation to the fact that during his days of sinning, God kept the door of mercy open. I'll read that one more time. Every ransomed man owes his salvation to the fact that during his days of sinning, God kept the door of mercy open. This is an amazing picture. God held the door of mercy open for for each of us, for you, for me. Not because we deserved it, and and not begrudgingly either. Has anyone ever had to hold the door of an elevator open when you were probably late for something and somebody was running for it? You still did it probably because it was the right thing to do, but uh, you you probably didn't want to, let's just be honest. Um... But that's not how God responds in this situation. God God holds the door open joyfully for each of us out of his mercy and his love waiting for us to enter in. So this morning I want to ask you, have you received this mercy? If you are unsure this morning that you have experienced this mercy, please come talk to myself or to one of the other leaders after the service this morning. It's true that God holds the door open joyfully for each of us, but we still need to make the decision to walk through the door and be reunited with him in salvation. So this morning, if you're unsure, if you've made this decision, again, I would urge you to talk to myself or to one of the other leaders after the service this morning. So just as we have been recipients of God's mercy and because we are followers of Jesus who who demonstrated mercy throughout his ministry, we should also be willing participants in having compassion for those around us in, in demonstrating mercy to the church. And I know that we as Restoration are doing that as well. One tangible way that came to mind as I was preparing was the, the meal train system that we have going here. Um, whether there's a, whenever there's a personal need, either due to surgery or, or uh, a new baby or an illness, there's almost always a, a sign-up sent out to the church body for volunteers who can, who can bring food and, and, uh, and provide for the family in need. And whenever one of these are sent out, we see the gift of mercy and compassion acted out as volunteers sacrifice time and resources to help those within our church family that are in need. My family personally has experienced this several times, and we're, we're incredibly thankful to those who have participated in it for us. But this is just one example of how we can, we can show mercy within our local church. We can also do so by reaching out to those we know in the church who are hurting or by providing for those who we know have a need within the church. 
there are always opportunities around us to show mercy, though sometimes it takes the prompting of the, the Holy Spirit to show us where we need to have more compassion and where we need to show mercy. So even though we're, I know we are doing this already as a church, I wanna encourage us to ask God, where specifically do I need to have more compassion for those around me? Where do I need to show more mercy for those around me? So one of, one of the reasons we group together the gifts of service and mercy is because they both have a similar danger. One danger, one danger with these gifts is that um, if we're not careful, we can get on the metaphorical hamster wheel and, and look for ways that we can demonstrate service or mercy and end up overcommitting. We might find that we, we do this not because God is calling us to, but maybe because of several other reasons, including our own restlessness or maybe it's due to our own guilt or, or pride even. But the reality is even though we are doing good during these times, others may be blessed, things might be getting done, Eventually, if we continue to serve out of these areas, out of these motivations, there's a danger that we can become burnt out. And another real danger is if we're not careful, if we're not doing this out of God's conviction, it's possible that we can become bitter towards those that we are serving or serving alongside. All of us have, have probably been in situations where we did something and we were disappointed with the outcome. Uh, maybe we were hurt because of the, of the level of appreciation or the lack of appreciation we received. And it's not wrong for us to enjoy the outcome or the appreciation, but the danger of these things is that we can easily make the outcome or the appreciation the center or the focus of why we do these things. So how do we, how do we avoid this? We saw that we're all called to, to serve and to show mercy to some capacity, but how do we avoid uh, the, the burnout and the hurt? I want to end now with three practical tips on, on how we can do that. First off, pray. Pray to God for direction on how to serve, how to show mercy. Whether we are currently demonstrating these gift scenes in the church, within our local communities, or maybe we've never demonstrated these gifts and don't even know where to start. All of us can start by asking God, where do you want me to serve? Where is it that I can begin showing mercy? Where do you want me to show mercy? And we know that our God is, is one that hears our prayers and he answers when we call him. And we might find that he, he responds with a way quickly. He might put somebody in our path right away. Or, or maybe we find that he's telling us that we, we need to take a season to focus our devotion somewhere else. But either way, we won't know unless we ask him. Second, ponder. I'm not sure ponder is the best word here, but I tried to get them all to start with the letter P so it would be easy to remember. But really, we should ponder and evaluate who it is we're serving and why we are serving. Are we serving out of the right motivation, out of the right heart? We may be accomplishing great things, but if our desire is not to demonstrate these gifts for God, there's a possibility that we will eventually be hurt, disappointed, or, or even bitter when we don't see the outcome that we expect. I'm not saying that any of us at Restoration are doing this. I just know it's a, a, a danger and it can set us back if we're not careful. Instead, we should demonstrate these gifts for the, the reasons that we mentioned earlier, right? We should desire to serve because of Jesus' example of us, how he served others. We should desire to, to show mercy because of his example and because we are recipients of the greatest mercy and compassion in our salvation. So as we continue to serve and to show mercy, I'd encourage us to, to ponder and evaluate these things. And this is something else that we can pray for. 
as a church. We can ask God to reveal our intentions, our motivations, and he will. Third and last, persevere. Persevere with God's strength to serve. As we are serving or or showing mercy, it's easy to fall back on our own strength, isn't it? And unfortunately, we're not all like Toby here. Our strength will eventually give out and we can easily become burnt out, right? Instead, we should persevere not in our own strength, but in, in and through the strength that God gives us. First Peter 4.11 tells us, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So if we do this, I promise that that you will find you're able to do so much more for the kingdom than you thought possible. Because it won't only be you doing it. It'll be through the power that God gives you to, to, to work and to serve and to show mercy. So just to, to sum things up now, we have seen this morning that mercy and service are essential gifts for all of us to demonstrate, not just those who feel like they're strongly gifted in these areas, right? We're called to serve and to show mercy to those within the church and to those around us. And by doing these things, just as with the other gifts, we're building up Christ's church and displaying his glory to the city around us. And in order for us to to persevere within these gifts, it's important for us to continually pray for guidance of where we should demonstrate these gifts. We should continually evaluate and demonstrate, uh, evaluate why we are demonstrating these giftings and, and who we're serving. And we should rely on God's strength to demonstrate these gifts rather than our own. Can I pray now? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your your perfect example of service and mercy for us. We thank you that we can look to you for, for how we should demonstrate these giftings. And Lord, we thank you for the giftings that you have given us, you have given to your church. We ask that you would would glorify yourself through each of us, through these gifts, that the city around us, the neighborhood around us would see your glory because of the way that we are serving you through these giftings, God. We thank you again for this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 